All right, we're doing a series we call Summer at His Place, and we've been hearing and learning from God's Word on various subjects from various speakers, but uh, I've gotten to preach the last couple here, and so that's wonderful. Uh, Those of you that are watching online, you can go to the notes there at hpfc.org forward slash notes as well. Today's message is called Focused Living. Everyone say Focused Living. I just got to ask, is anybody else having difficulty focusing these days? You know, some of you say, that's just Sunday. You know, that's my everyday. I I have a hard time focusing every day. But for some of us, it's been a real challenge lately. And and really, it's never really been so hard to focus in our lives. There's just so much, so much going on. Uh, And so I think it's not only true in our daily life, but it's it's also true in how we live our relationship with Jesus Christ, how we how we walk that out personally, how we walk that out and reaching others through our church and through other ways. And so, um, you know, everything is changing, how we meet, when we meet, uh, if we meet. I mean, just a lot going on in our world today. And so it's just easy to lose our focus. And so today I w- in this message, I want to bring us back to the beginning. I want to bring us back to the basics. Now, we're going to talk a little bit about the first century church this morning. Is that all right? And, uh, and you know, I love, I love what technology allows us to do. I, I love that we can be here and we can be speaking to the world through that camera. And I, I love all that that's possible. But what if we could not use the lights? What if we could not use the camera? What if the, the internet was there, wasn't there? Could we fulfill the assignment which Jesus gave us? I want you to think about that for a moment. I, I, I believe that the answer to that question is yes. But I don't believe it's yes the way we're doing things. Oftentimes in our modern culture, we've got dependent on things that are wonderful tools, but they're not the only tools. There's other things that we can learn if we go back to the beginning. And so some of you may say, well, pastor, what's the assignment that we have from Jesus? And it's really very simple. It's a simple assignment, but I want to tell you it's not an easy assignment. Because that most, for most of us, it requires an adjustment in how we live. It's not dependent on technology, which I love. You all know I'm a, I'm a tech guy. I love tech. Uh, it's not dependent on te- technology. It's dependent on relationships. It doesn't involve being a Bible scholar. Isn't that good news? I'm even glad for that. It doesn't mean you have to get up in public and speak. In fact, some of the best people at this are not public speakers. All right? It can happen at work. It can happen on the bus. It can happen in your home. It can happen with neighbors. This assignment can be fulfilled everywhere. And it does have a cost, though. It costs compassion. It costs care. And even often costs some money, but it, it does have an investment that we need to make. And so I want to just tell you, it's, it's possible for every person listening to my voice here and online to fulfill this way of fulfilling Jesus' assignment. I'm going to tell you about it today, okay? And so Jesus said something after his resurrection that really gives us insight into what this assignment is. And so in Matthew 28, verses 16, through the, through the end of the chapter, it says, Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. So he said, Go. Go meet me here. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. I love that that line is in there. Isn't it fabulous that you, don't, that you can be going with Jesus, going to meet Jesus, going to have an appointment with Jesus, and you still got some doubts in your heart? 
You still got some things you're not really clear on in your mind. And so I find it fascinating that Jesus met them there and he gave the same instructions to those that were all in as he gave to some that had some doubts. Very interesting, isn't it? Look at verse 18. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have, get, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. I want you to think about that this morning. Jesus has all the authority. He has all of the authority we need. And when we're on assignment for him, he'll give us that authority so that we can live out the way he, he wants us to live. So we don't have to muster it up. We don't have to stir it up, to, to, so to speak. We don't have to kind of just do it in our own strength. We can rely on the authority and the power that, that Jesus is going to give us. Isn't that a refreshing thing? We don't, have, we don't have to do this on our own. He says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. Now let's unpack this just a little bit. Jesus gave these instructions to his disciples, right? Isn't that what we just read? So, so what is a disciple? Is it a pastor? I would say hopefully. It's good for a pastor to be a disciple of Jesus, isn't it? Come on. Should a church leader? Yep, should be. How about a business person? Can be. Yep, domestic engineer. (laughs) Housewives, you know, it can be. How about about a carpet layer? How about a carpenter? Yeah, whatever you do, school teacher, doesn't matter. You can be a disciple of Jesus, even students. Whether you're online or in person this fall. You can be a disciple of Jesus. So what's a disciple? I'm going to give you a little definition here. A disciple is someone who surrendered their life to Jesus. That's really the first thing. Uh, Jesus, you're in charge. And they, they're seeking to learn and live like Jesus, right? And they make disciples. Disciples making disciples, right? So the, the, really the first question we've got to ask ourselves is, are we a disciple of Jesus? Am, am I a disciple of Jesus? Have I decided to surrender my life to Jesus? Let him call the shots in my life? Have I sought to learn of him and follow the example, live like Jesus? And am I actively and personally making disciples of other people as, as I walk out my Christian faith? It's simple, but it's not easy, right? So, what did Jesus instruct us to do? And, and let's, we're going to rephrase these verses real quickly. This is what we do collectively as a church. And here's what we call it. We call it, we're, going to help, we're supposed to help people. What's the first thing? Know God. We're going to help people know God. Whether they have never heard of God, take one step closer to him. Or they've never heard of Jesus, help them learn Jesus. If they know Jesus, take more steps, right? Continual process. And then we're helping them do what? Find freedom. Because here's what I know about every one of us, including me, when we give our lives to Jesus, we're, we're carrying a bunch of junk from the past that we need to get rid of, that we need to let go of so we can clearly follow Jesus. That's what we do through our small groups. And then what's the next one? Discover purpose. Why, why do we discover purpose? Because God has a purpose and he's wired us for a specific purpose. And we tend to forget, forget that or don't think it's possible. Well, God will use other people, but he doesn't really use me. No, he wants to use you. No matter where you're at in life, it doesn't matter. He wants to work through you. And so we help people find purpose and discover purpose through growth track. And then the last thing is so all of that so that we can make a difference. 
we can make a difference. We're not just called to live for ourselves. We're called to make a difference, not for ourselves, but for him, right? We're supposed to make a difference for others. And so as your pastor, one of my assignments from the Lord is to keep us focused on the instructions of Jesus. Is that right? I'm I'm supposed to help you in that path to make sure that we're collectively living all four, four aspects of the gospel here that Jesus gave us and that we're also doing it individually. I'm supposed to make it simple. I'm supposed to make it clear so that we can follow Jesus. And so we've been really focused on this as a church over the last few years. I'm reminding you because COVID hit. We can tend to forget what we're about. Amen. You know, my job as a pastor is not to always bring you something new. Bible in the Old Testament says bring something old, something new. You, you're, supposed to, you're supposed to mix it all together and help people to grow. Amen? But, he, but here's, here's the challenge. It's not just a mandate. It's not just an instruction for us to do collectively. We're also called to do it individually. Amen. Everyone say individually. Personally, we're called to do that. Every Christ follower is called to help people become disciples of Jesus. But what's the challenge? Life gets in the way. And we start living unfocused lives. And so I I don't know, I'm going to give you four things here real quick about unfocused living. This might help you see, you might say, I'm in in all four of these areas. I'm struggling right now. But you might be living an unfocused life if you just don't know what your assignment is. You don't know. It's okay not to know, but let's change that today, right? Let's, let's get where we need to, need to go. Uh, we don't all know that Jesus invited us into a journey of reaching other people with him. That's an exciting thing. Amen? Amen. And so I, I think it's even more difficult now because we have the power with, with uh, all the technology and all the online stuff that we can create our own spiritual diets, did you know you can do that? You can go out there, you can Google any subject you want to find. You can find a message on it. You can watch it online. And so that's not always good. If I'm left to myself, what am I going to choose to eat? Come on. Anybody know? Dark chocolate covered almonds. Y'all know that. We've been talking about this for several years. All right. And so, you know, if, if, if I'm to choose my diet, that's probably going to be on the menu every single day. And I'm going to say, eat three. And then you'll say, what is that? Well, Kim would say three of those. And I would say three handfuls that move to three bowls. And that, you know, it's a problem. We just, we just gorge ourselves on what we like and we neglect the broccoli. Right? We neglect the salads. We neglect the other things that we need for a balanced diet. So as a pastor, one of my jobs is to help balance out the diet that we have. And so... Sometimes we don't know, so my job is to help, help us know that. Here's another thing that will keep us unfocused. We're involved in division. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to meddle with you a little bit this morning. We're involved in division. The world around us is more polarized, more divided, and creates more noise than ever before. Have you found that to be true? And so we can miss an opportunity to help someone take a step with Jesus or become more like Jesus simply, listen, because we don't agree with them politically. It's election year. I got to talk about this stuff, right? We don't agree with them politically. Or, or maybe they posted on something on social media, and, and now that I mention it, you're still ticked. You're like, man, why would they post that? Or they have 
whatever it is. But somehow we, we, we get that division on the inside of us. And so the volume of the division coming through the media, coming through the news, coming through the work con- conversations, all the different places that we talk to people, it begins to paralyze us. We begin to think that it, it, we just can't even do what we're called. We don't even think about doing what we're called to do. We're just thinking about the division that's going on. We're fighting false battles. You say, well, those issues are important. Yes, they are. But are they so important that we're not going to reach people for Jesus? That's my question. We become paralyzed. We, 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 we're, we get afraid about what people will say about us if we take a stand. Come on, right? So, so we've got to be careful. One day Jesus was accused of casting out demons by the devil's power. I mean, that's weird accusation, right? Right? Pretty weird. But in Mark 3, 24 and 25, Jesus said, A kingdom divided by civil war will collapse. Similarly, a family splintered by feuding will fall apart. I was preaching from a mic. I should just drop the mic and walk away because that's going to help some families today. You ought to stop fussing at each other. Turn to somebody and say, stop fussing. Amen? Can't fuss. We can't let the division of, that's going on in the world get in our hearts. What it's going to do, it's going to eliminate your impact for Jesus. It's going to negatively affect your marriage. It's going to negatively affect your family. It's going to be a problem. Here's another reason we're often unfocused is we're moved by distraction. We're moved by distraction. The volume of information is distracting. The pace of information. The co- Some of you got your notifications on your phones yet. Let me give you a, 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 a productivity tip. Turn them off. Turn them off. Did you know that the average person picks up their phone 96 times a day? Which is about every 10 minutes of your waking hours. And those in ages 18 to 24 do it twice as much. Basically, every five minutes, you're picking up your phone. We're distracted. You say, well, I'm a, I'm a fantastic multitasker. Yes, if you like to do a little bit of everything all day and not get anything great done, that, you can do that. But multitasking is a myth. Focus is the key. Amen. Business leaders will tell you that too. So we got to watch out for the, for, for the distractions. And here's the fourth one. We get delayed by discouragement. Delayed by discouragement. We're trying to find a job. We're trying to balance the budget. We're trying to make school decisions. Are we going to be in person? Are we going to be online? Is there going to be toilet paper at the grocery store this week? Come on. I mean, there's just all kinds of, you know, I didn't get what I needed. You know, the yeast was out last week and I'm so depressed. I couldn't make the homemade bread, you know. I mean, just all those things. We get discouraged and we feel alone. And oftentimes it just feels like it's too much to handle. We just get under this cloud, under this weight. And then, then we get discouraged because we think, you know, uh, and by the way, I've been through this. This is one of the most discouraging things you can think in your life. I probably shouldn't remind you of it, but if you're there, I want to help you today. And that is, you, we have this thought, I never thought at this age I'd be here. In other words, what we think is, is by the next, I don't mean in live, what I mean is that we didn't think at, at, at 40 years old we would still have several hundred thousand dollars of debt. We didn't think by, by, you know, whatever, 35 years old we'd be single. We didn't think by 25 years old we'd be still working on our college degree. Whatever it is, 
It, we think we should have had stuff done before now. And when it doesn't happen, we get discouraged. We get down on ourselves. And it's a hard thing. And, and we even do it spiritually. After all the years I've been walking with Jesus, I should have known better. You know, some of us, we're our worst critics. Who are your worst? All of you who are, you yourself are your worst critic, raise your hand. Amen. You know, I've, I've told people before, mainly Kim, I said, you, you think I was tough in that? You ought to hear how I talk to myself. You know, some of us, we're, re- we're really hard on ourselves. And so some of us, we think, well, God can't really use me because I'm imperfect. I want you to think about an Old Testament story. You can read about it this afternoon, 2 Kings chapter 7. God used four men who were lepers to defeat an army. And you know what their, you know what their motivation was? We're so hungry, we're going to die anyway. We just will go down and see if, they'll, if they got food down in the enemy camp. And God used that to totally rout the enemy and give Israel a great victory. You never know what God will use. Just don't take yourself out of the game. And it's also why the last verse in this passage in Matthew 28, where Jesus was talking to his disciples, is so important. Look at verse 20. He said, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Isn't that wonderful? You're not in this alone. You don't have to go through whatever you're facing today alone. You don't have to face that problem alone. You don't have to make that decision alone. You don't don't have to have that conversation alone. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'm with you always. Amen. To the end of the age. The age has not ended yet. He's still with us. Amen. So if, if that's what unfocused living looks like, what does focused living look like? In, in view of this assignment that we have from Jesus. I'm going to give you several thoughts here. Here's the first one. Trust God and do good. We've talked about this recently, but, I, but it's a big deal. We've got to trust God and do good. Psalm 37.3 says, trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Trust God with your life. Trust God with the good things. Trust him with the problems. Amen? See, by the way, trusting God is, is tied to doing what he instructs you to do. You can say you're trusting God, but if you're actually not doing what you know he's called you to do, you're not trusting. And delayed obedience is still disobedience. You say, well, I don't know about that. Well, then you haven't been a parent. If you've been a parent, you know delayed, dis, late, delayed obedience is disobedience. That's the same thing, same thing with God. So when you know, step out and do it. And so just trust God. Trust God to help you live. Trust God to help you make disciples of other folks, to reach them for Jesus. Amen? So how do we trust God to make disciples? It's really very simple. You trust him to show you people to encourage. Someone you can bless, someone you can encourage, someone you can help. And by the way, they show up in your life as hurting, broken, discouraged, struggling people. And we've all been that maybe even this week. Okay? So there's plenty of people to encourage. There's plenty of people to, to, to help just do good to you. So, so how, do, how do we make disciples? Trust God that you'll find somebody going through a hard time and they just do good to them. Just do good to them. Pastor, it's got to be more complicated than that. It's really not. Trust God 
and do good. Show them, show them that God is good. Because here's what most people think. If God really loved us, he would have already taken COVID by now. If God really loved us and really loved me, then this that happened that was so devastating in my life would have never happened. I just want to remind us that God has set up this earth and he's put laws in place. And if if you go out there and uh, you get on a roof and say, well, God, if you're alive, stop me from jumping off. He'll try to stop you from jumping. But if you jump off, gravity is going to work. Very rare exceptions, does it not? Like when Jesus ascended into heaven. That's the last time I know of, right? It, it's just going it's, it's to, it works. So, so our job is, is really simply to, to trust God, do good, amen? Let people see God's goodness in your life. Amen. And, you know, it's kind of changed in the last few months, but it used to be, you know, uh, we'd all be looking at social media during this time. So, oh, I wish I could be in the Bahamas. Oh, wouldn't it be nice to be on vacation? And, and, you know, we got all that social media jealousy going on. But that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is just let them see how you live, that God's working in your life. You got to be close enough to people that they, they can see how you act when things don't go right. You know, your greatest example is not when you do right. It's when you, how you act when things don't go right. That's, that's really where you, sh- where you show yourself and show what God is. So um, do good to coworkers. Do good to neighbors. Do good to friends. Do good to online friends of the same political stance and the opposite. Yeah, I know what you heard. The wrong. I said the opposite. Amen? What does doing good look like? Well, really very simply, it means adding value to their life. And it doesn't always have to be uh, spiritual. You can just, I mean, this would be spiritual. You'd be telling them, hey, I'm praying for you. And then you actually pray. Uh, I mean, you know, some of us, you know, you comment on social media, praying for you. Are you praying or are you just commenting that you're praying for me, right? So actually do the prayer. Actually pray, remember them. You know, that's, that's kind of a spiritual thing. But you can, you can bake cookies. You can serve them in some way. You can, you know, whatever would be a blessing to that person. Add value by encouraging them. We all have probably hundreds of people in our cell phones. And there's got to be at least one that needs some encouragement every once in a while. Amen? Just encourage. And, and, and I, let me just warn you, because sometimes we, some of us, we, we tend to be this. But I encourage you to, you know, Get up and go to work. Or I encourage you to, to get it right in your life. You know, and that's not the kind of encouragement I'm talking about. I'm talking about like real genuine encouragement. You know, I know you're going to get through this and God's for you. And, and that kind of encouragement, amen? You can do it by text. You can do it by social media. You can do it by messenger. You have, way, you have lots of connections more than ever. And what if you became known to those that are connected to you, whether by text or by social media, not for the stance you're taking, but for the love that you're sharing? Won't that be awesome? Amen? So, so I want to I start something. I don't know if it's been done before, but I want to start something among us. And I want to start what I'm calling a do-good challenge. A do-good challenge. Amen? You all good with that? So let me describe what it is. I want you to bless someone every week. Some way, just bless them. Just, just bless them. Buy a meal for somebody in line. Pay for the coffee and the drive-thru for the person behind you. 
pay for their drive, whatever it is. Just doesn't always have to be money, but just do something to bless someone. And then when you can, give them one of these little cards that says a little something extra to show God loves you. And you say, well, uh, we're not supposed to be passing paper. Well, then go grab one on the way out there at the exits, exits and the connection points and at the chairs there at the, at the exits. Just, just pick one up very carefully. Take a picture of it. And you can send that to people you know. And, and just let them know that God, somehow, Ty, you're, you're doing good to what Jesus has done for you. Amen. I mean, that's the way God gets the credit. If we just do good, then it's just, well, we're doing good. But let's, let's do good. And then the third thing really is um, to post an image. And use that hashtag, hashtag do good. And then use the hashtag for Spring Klein Tomball. That's the hashtag we've been using around here. If you don't know what a hashtag is, just do good so, to somebody. But if you, if you know what a hashtag is, some of y'all know what a hashtag is, use it. Amen? And uh, use those two hashtags. Matter of fact, get your phones out real quick. Get your phones out real quick. And, and I, I want you to look up here at the screen. I want you to take a picture of that. You that are watching online, just do a quick screen grab of, of your, um, your image there. And, and then you've got it. You can take a picture of that. There you go. Take a picture. I'll try to get out of the, the shot here for you. There you go. Take a picture of that. See, I, I know the dullest pencil is sharper than the sharpest mind. Amen? Y'all know that's true? And a picture is worth what? A thousand words. Amen? That'll help you. So hopefully you got that. If you need to take another one, hopefully uh, I'm out of the way. So here's what Jesus said in John 13, 35. Your love for another, one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. It's not that you were right all the time. Not that I'm right. All, how many of you like to be right? Let's just get that out in the open. I like to be right. Amen. I usually am too, right, Kim? Oh, no. <laughs> she's saying, she's shaking her head no. You know, I'm not always right. But we're not to be known whether we're right. We're to be known whether we love. Amen. So we represent Jesus well by loving others well. And by the way, that's how God tells us to conquer evil. Romans 12, 21 says, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Amen. Yeah, but pastor, they're wrong. I know, so is Kim. And I still love her. I still love her. I mean, and I know she's thinking, Doug, you're wrong. And she still loves me. I mean, that, that's the thing. People can disagree with you, but we can still love them and show them love. Amen. Amen? So here's, here, here's how we do this. How do, how do we love people that we disagree with? We find common ground. I want you to write this down. Love finds common ground. Very simple. Four words. Love finds common ground. Love just looks for, we can't agree on everything, but let's find out where we can agree and we can walk together by, by focusing on that, that agreement. By the way, I'm saving some marriages today. And you've been focusing on your disagreements. Start focusing on where you agree. You know, it may have been 10 years ago, 20 years ago, but you agreed to get married, right? So, you know, we agreed at one time. Let's get back to that. Amen. So trust God, love someone by finding good. And then Jesus said this in Matthew 5, 16, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. Who gets the glory when we do good deeds? God gets the glory, amen? Trust God, do good. Why do we even focus on this? Because he's invited us into this journey to not just live for him, but to make other 
disciples. Here's the second thing to do as you seek to focus your life, and that is follow favor. My pastor used to say that all the time, follow favor, okay? So here's what's going to happen. As you love people well, you're going to have favor with them. What that does not mean is that they somehow you're their favorite. It does not mean that you're my favorite or I'm your favorite. It means that I have, you, you have favor with me, all right? That you have favor with me and, or I have favor with you. I'm loving you so well that you say, man, I want to receive from you. I want to learn from you. I, I want to, come on, speak some things into my life. I, I, I want to do these things uh, to help you. And, and, and so that you get the opportunity to speak into their lives. Now, here's the thing. We all have limited time. We all have limited amount of, of energy. We, we actually have a limited amount of places that we can invest our hearts. So don't waste your time on people that you don't have favor with. Now, now listen to me very carefully. I could easily be mis- misquoted if you cut the, cut the tape right there. We love everyone. We find common ground, but we, we, we have the opportunity to make more of a difference where people want to receive from us. Nobody made you come. Nobody made you watch online, but there's, God's given me some measure of favor in your life. And so then you want to you learn and you want to grow in the same way in your relationships. So follow that favor. So how do we receive favor, right? That's the next question. Proverbs 3, 1 says this, My child, never forget the things I've taught you. Store my commands in your heart. If you do this, you will live many years. Wow, that's a pretty good blessing, right? And your life will be satisfying. Some, this is a verse for somebody today who's found life to be unsatisfying. Go back. Remember what the Lord has taught you. Amen? satisfaction is going to come. Look at verse 3. Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your hearts. In other words, be a good friend. Be a good friend. Focus, listen, focus on what you can contribute to the relationship, not what you can get out of it. That's how we love people. We're, We're pouring, right? You say, well, I don't have any more to pour. That's why we got to stay connected to God because he's going to fill us up with something to pour out to someone else. Amen? Verse 4, then you will, then, after all that, look at this, then you will find favor with both God and people and you will earn a good reputation. Isn't that wonderful? That's how you find favor, right there. Jesus followed that advice. This is Old Testament. Now, let's go to the New Testament. Jesus, when he was 12, he and his family went to Jerusalem. And they must have been traveling with a group of people. And, and mom and dad left and must have thought he was with the cousins or something else. But Jesus wasn't there. And they realized he was gone. They spent three days looking for Jesus. And they found him in the temple. And, you know, he said, didn't you know I'd, I would be about my father's business? And so they were getting some learning there as well. But the Bible says there, it's in Luke 2, it says that he went home with them and was obedient to them. Even he followed that command there in or that instruction in Proverbs chapter three. And then look at Luke two fifty two. Bible says of Jesus, Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. Amen. Students, listen to me carefully here. Your goal is not just to grow up. Your goal should be to grow in favor with God and people. Grow in favor with God and people. Adults, if Jesus can grow in favor with God and people, so can we. If he lives on the inside of us, if he's empowering us, 
He, he, he will work through us. Amen? So to follow favor is, is to love people well. Let them see you applying God's principles to your life. And then you're going to have an opportunity to share Jesus somewhere along the way. You've got to remember this. Favor is a gift entrusted to us. So, so I'm going to meddle with you this morning. So don't waste it on your political views. I know, y'all looking for your tomatoes. Don't waste it on your immigration views. Don't waste it on your COVID views. Let's invest it. I know it's hard. I miss it. I miss it at times. Conversations go to places that, that aren't helpful in loving that person well. But remember, loving people well transcends the issues. You say, but pastor, those issues are so important. Yes, they are. But is not the cause of Christ more important? Amen. Jesus, and how am I? Fo- I'm using my favor sometimes on the wrong things. Yes, we need to vote. Yes, we need to get informed. Yes, things need to change in our country. All of that is absolutely right. But how we go about it is really important. Really important. So write this down. How can I follow God's favor? How can I follow God's favor? You know, you just got to be aware, aware of this. Well, one of the ways you can do it is to lead a small group. We're coming up uh, in just a few weeks. Where you're going to have the opportunity uh, in, in September to sign up for a fall small group. And so um, if you're interested in leading a small group, you've been in a small group here at his place, and you're interested in leading one, uh, facilitating would be a better word to say it, a way to say it. Would you write on your connection card, group? Just write that on your connection card or put it on your digital card and let us know that and we will follow up with you and get you some information. Why? Because we can steward relationships that way. But that's just one way. We've got to steward our individual relationships. Amen? Amen. Y'all got kind of quiet after I kind of, you know, ruffled your feathers a little bit there. So let me give you the third thing that really helps us to focus our living. And that is identify your Timothys identify your Timothys. And I know what you're thinking, who's Tim and why do I need more than one? <laughs> so, you know, that's, that's a good question. It's fair. Let me explain. In Acts chapter 16, the apostle Paul was on his second missionary journey. He's traveling around to these, these different towns where he'd launched churches and he was now encouraging the people there. And so he, he went to uh, and Lystra is the town. He went and encouraged some people there on his first ministry journey. And so he came back. In Acts 16.1 it says, Then Paul went first to Derby, then to Lystra, where there was a young disciple named Timothy. Everyone say Timothy. His mother was a Jewish believer, but his father was a Greek. Timothy, notice to underline this. Remember, remember the favor point a minute ago. Timothy was well thought of by the believers in Lystra, and not only in Lystra, where he was at, but also Iconium, another town. So Paul wanted him to join them on their journey. So what do we know about Timothy? Timothy had already put his faith and trust in Jesus. He must have been doing good because he had favor with the people in his hometown and the neighboring town, right? So Paul comes along on this missionary journey And even though Timothy is young, Paul wants to take him and invest in him on the rest of that missionary journey. Notice this. When we trust God and do good, we receive favor. 
It's an open door where we can speak into someone's life. And in that situation, what's happening? They choose us. That's what's happening. We love them. They choose to be in relationship with us. Even when they're, they may do things that are hurtful, if we're loving them, there may come a time that they're going to choose to be in relationship with us. And so what do we do then? We just trust God for the results, right? We're going to do good. We're going to invest in people. And we're just going to keep doing that and just see what God does, right? But there's another level of investment. And that's when we choose them. Listen carefully. First they choose us, then we choose them. We choose to invest a significant part of our lives into them as the Holy Spirit leads us. That's what Paul was doing with Timothy. Paul trusted God. He did good for many, many, but when he came to Lystra, there he met Timothy on the second journey. He was probably a new convert because he had already just a few years earlier planted that church. And now he comes back and then Paul chooses to mentor Timothy. What was the result? Timothy went on to become a pastor. Paul ended up writing the book of 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy to this same Timothy to give him instructions on how to pastor the church where he was at. All right? So a lot has happened. So listen carefully here. Identifying people to pour a more significant amount of your time and energy into is not just for pastors and church leaders. We're all called to it. It's worked for over 2,000 years. It's worked before churches had buildings. It it worked before there was social media. It worked before there was the internet. So here's what I'm asking us to do as a church is to utilize the original plan that God had for reaching each generation. Let's just get back to the basics, amen? Let's do it as a church. Let's do it individually. Why? Because it still works. It still works. We just have more ways to love on people and do good to people than than we ever did before. You can touch more people than the first century church, even the pastors and leaders in in that century. Some of you have more followers on your social media accounts than those people, new people in their lives. Well, I don't, hopefully you know your people on social media, but I, I'm assuming you know some of these people, right? But they're, they're just, it, it's so much more possible. And so Paul laid out the plan for how to work this, this process to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. He said, Timothy, my dear son, he became a spiritual son to him. Be strong through the grace that God's given you in Christ Jesus. I mean, just tell you, there's a, a, a I got to go, go quickly here, but there's a grace on your life. To do what God's called you to do. There's a supernatural enabling to do that. He said, There's, be strong in that grace. You have heard me teach these things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. You may be thinking, I'm not a Paul. Neither am I. You may be thinking, I'm not a pastor like Timothy. Okay, I'm, I'm a pastor. Maybe you're not. But here's the question. Are you trustworthy? Amen. Are you trustworthy? That's all God's asking today. God is simply saying, can we be trustworthy with the greatest message, the greatest truth, the greatest good news that's ever been given to mankind? Will we be trustworthy with it? It's the best news. Jesus came to seek and save 
those who are lost. Will we be trustworthy with that? And we can do it because Jesus gave us authority and he's with us today. Amen? So how do we become trustworthy? We can, we can take a step by trusting God, doing good to everyone. We can follow favor to impact specific people, and we can choose some Timothys to invest in. So who are your potential Timothys? Well, they're people you already have favor with. By the way, when you're pouring into a Timothy, you know their names. You know who they are. You know, it's like God put, put something on your heart. You know you're to pour into these Timothys. Let me help you. Husbands, how many of you know you're still married? Say amen. That was pretty weak. Let me try that again. Husbands, how many of you know still married? Amen. All right. One of your Timothys is your wife. Not to fix them, not to correct them, but to love them and to pour into them. Parents, how many of you know you got kids? Amen. Oh, yeah, parents know they got kids, yeah. More than husbands know they got wives. Parents know they have kids. And, and your Timothys include your kids, right? They're your kids. You got to pour into them. But God's given all of us an opportunity to pour beyond our family into other people. And he's looking us, at us to do both. So I want to just encourage us today. Let's go, let's reach the world, and let's make disciples for Jesus. Can we do that? Amen. Let's bow our heads this morning. I want to just simply pray and ask God. I can, I can preach it. I can teach it. But I want to ask God to drop it in your heart. Because a local church serving Jesus, it's actually not a natural thing. It's a supernatural thing. It only works because he works in us. So let me pray for you this morning. Father, in Jesus' name, we ask you today that you would work in each person. Father, I thank you that there would be a new stirring in, in all of our hearts just to love on people, trust, trust you, love on people well, follow that favor, Lord. And then as you raise some people up in our lives that we say, man, I, God's given me a supernatural connection here. I just want to pour into their lives some more. Father, I thank you that, that it'll be good for the relationship. It'll be good for the kingdom of God. Lord, we thank you for doing that. In Jesus' name, with every head bowed, every eye closed, those of you that are watching online, I want to invite you into this time as well. Here's, here's the thing. You can't really do anything I've taught this morning unless we actually just surrender our lives to Jesus. Jesus came, died on the cross, no matter how good you are, no matter how bad you are, we all need Jesus. I needed Jesus, you need Jesus. And so I want to invite you to make a decision today just to simply surrender your life to Jesus. Some of us, we play church, we're, we read our Bible a little bit, we pray when we need something from God, but really to surrender, to go all in, is to let him be in charge and then call the shots. And so I want to invite you this morning that you would, you would make a decision to do that. Those that are here with me today, they're going to pray this prayer out loud. And if you, if you need um, to make a decision to give your life to Jesus, just pray this prayer with us. And I know what God's going to do. He's going to do a work in your life. Say this with me, Heavenly Father. I come to you today. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to make me a new person from the inside out. God, I turn away from my old life and I turn to you. God, I believe you raised Jesus from the dead. And Jesus, I ask you, be my Lord. Be my leader. I surrender my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we celebrate?